0: Yes. so tonight's reading is from 2 Corinthians 13, verses 5 to 14. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. Now we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong, not so that people will see that we have stood the test, but so that you will do what is right, even though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. We are glad whenever we are weak, but you are strong, and our prayer is that you may be fully restored. This is why I write these things when I am absent, that when I come, I may not have to be harsh in my use of authority, the authority the Lord gave me for building you up, not for tearing you down. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All God's people here send their greetings. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.
1: Amen, and thanks, Becky. Good to see you all tonight, Um, my name is Mark. And uh, I hope you're excited, as I am, to do an in-depth study purely on verse 12 on what on earth a holy kiss is. So are you ready for 30 minutes on what a holy kiss is? Uh, we, we actually won't really touch on that <laughs> too much. You'll be relieved. Um, however, instead, um, I wanted to share uh, about July of 2007. In July of 2007, I was close to being in gentle bother with uh, the law of the nation of Australia. I lived in Sydney in an apartment complex there. I was in Bible college, I was gunning for head student as best as I could. I um, lived in in this flat, and in the complex of flats there was a basement, and this basement wasn't so much a basement as we called it IKEA, it was a treasure cove of good things. So in this basement, people would leave objects that they couldn't take with them when they moved. And as a college student, you were there first picking to get the good stuff. So you'd be chairs, desk chairs, there'd be uh, sound systems. I got a surfboard there once. And one day, I picked up a full rack of shotgun shells in a sash. (laughs) And I was so delighted with myself. I took them upstairs to my... uh, Roommates at the time, and uh, we enjoyed them. They were part of our decor, if you will. Uh, He drew faces on them and sent photos home to his friends. I thought that was weird. And um, then came the time where I was to return to Scotland, and I had to move out of my flat. So of course, I did exactly what you should do, and I put them back in IKEA, just left them there, and walked away, which is what you do. However. I then go to a friend's house, and I meet my friend James. James is a Canadian. And Canadians, I thought, were very passive, well-meaning. Turns out they are far too agreeable, because James had found them and gone, "Ah, that's not where they belong, and he handed them to the reception. The reception at that point said, well, we need to phone the police about this, because there's shotgun shells in our complex. So, as it turned out, I was called uh, before the police of Australia, Uh, sitting down, explaining myself as to why I had shotgun shells. (laughs) Um, I took a very straight tact, which I think puts us in good stead tonight. I thought, be as honest as possible, and you might get out of this one. They asked me um, where I found them. I explained it. They asked me what we did with them. They asked me what my roommates thought of them. I didn't say that they drew photos on them. Um, they asked me what I intended to do with them. I suggested they might have gone for a good price on eBay, if that was possible. But it's not possible in Australia to sell ammunition on eBay, as it turns out. I left, I come back uh, for a little bit more questioning, conversation, sorry, and they said this. They said, son, what we could do right now is we could charge you for possession of live ammunition because every piece of ammunition in Australia needs to be registered to a weapon. Who knew? (laughs) And I thought, fair enough. They said, we are not going to do that, because of my strong ties with the British government or something, I'm not sure. And they said, "Um, however, if when you come to leave the country, we can't get in touch with you, um, when you leave, we will detain you, and you will spend the night in Villawood Detention Centre, which I thought was hilarious because my other roommate ran the worship service in Villawood Detention Centre. <laughs> so I skipped past the border and um, realised that no matter how unaware and how unexamined a life is, the truth <laughs> and what actually exists will confront you at some point. My naivety, my joyous little Scottish naivety, did not matter in that point. I'm happy to say it is not on my record and I think I can go back because the thing is it just it doesn't matter what our illusions are there's truth out there there are things in set up in our world there's laws there's ways that things work and these are going to come at us. these are going to come for us and it can be difficult and so it's in that case it's well what's the antidote what's a better way of living life than just kind of bumbling along as I did. There needs to be some process of growing in knowledge, of examining ourselves in order to operate in the world. So, the way that we do this is we are living in the light and in the presence and in the voice of Jesus Christ, who is the one that we examine ourselves with to make sure that we aren't unaware, to make sure that we are prepared to go through our lives. And tonight, maybe the biggest question is, is Jesus in your life? Are you walking in faith? That might be the most important question to explore tonight. And there was an exploration going on for Paul. The people Paul is writing to, this Corinthian church, have doubted his faith, and they've doubted his courage, they've doubted his authority as a leader, and they have challenged him constantly. It feels like they've tried to kind of drive out the previous leads, and they've been enamored with these so-called super apostles, these impressive-sounding people that chased after miracles, but not much else in their lives. And Paul chose not to defend his own track record any more than he really needed to. He didn't apologize to them for not being clear enough in his communication and not being inspiring enough as a leader. He turns back on them and says, just examine yourself. Just check yourself. You've, you've hung me out to dry enough times. You've challenged my leadership. Examine yourself. This is so refreshing, so challenging to hear a church leader offer that. And there's something going on here where Paul is saying, you can't just turn your life outside and blame everyone else for what's been occurring and all the circumstances. Look in yourself. Is Jesus within you? Are you walking in his ways? Like, I couldn't blame the police for not informing me of the law. I couldn't blame my friend for handing in the stuff. I can't blame anyone. Instead, we get the opportunity to consider the only person really left in the equation in all the circumstances in our lives, which is us. This is the sentiment Paul is going after here. So in our time, we're going to look a bit at this process of self-examination, what it can create in our lives and what new possibilities it gives us. And then we'll spend some time before communion, which I think is one of the most beautiful examples of self-examination that we have in any faith, let alone in Christendom, to come to the table and to examine our hearts with the Lord. So the community here is doing this very popular thing of calling out others for what they appear to be lacking. With these super apostles, they're virtue signaling their miracles, they're adoring them, these pastors who sort of show up in Kanye sneakers and... They sort of despise the guy who planted the church. It's almost like the younger leaders are coming up, and everyone's like, the guy who sort of grew this thing is no longer in fashion. What a a strange church that would be. (laughs) But you can see that, and we see that all the time at the minute. And rather than observing their own behavior, they start to project out the way. They blame the leadership. They blame the one that started it. And they complain. They criticize someone else. And this is a pretty useless way to be that Paul is unpacking with them. He says, examine yourself. Is Jesus with you? Are you walking with Jesus? That's the place to start. This was the context Paul was in. In that time, there was other thinkers who were starting to encourage this kind of thinking. There was Seneca, a Stoic of the time, who said, we suffer more in our imagination than we do in reality. That was followed later by Epictetus, who said, it's not things that upset us, it's our judgment about things. So there was a philosophical context there to challenge people's thinking, to encourage them to look more closely at their personal ethic, at their lives. And one way that we can understand this is through trying to understand what do we have influence over? If we're going to examine ourselves and we're going to look within, it's to then say, well, what do we have an effect on and what is outside of our control. I'm just going to ask Paul to help me with a little flip chart. The great hat, Paul. I'm liking it. I'm envious of Paul's hat. And so there was this, this notion to help us understand this a bit called the, the circle of influence, because all models need to be circles. And we're going to draw on our lovely chart. But basically, this was a, a model, idea come up by Stephen Covey, who was a leadership thinker in the 90s. The 90s were a time where things were a bit simpler in our memories, but actually I don't think they were as good as we all were rating them to be. And he had this notion of the circle of influence. He basically said, look, there's things going on that you do have control or influence over. There's things that are within your power to affect. And then there's this whole other world where you just don't have control and these, these are the things of our concern that we don't really have influence over. So for example, I have influence over my, what I wear, that I think I can choose. I have some influence over what I eat, um, I have some influence over um, my thoughts and these are some of the things that we do examine. However. I, my desire would be, do I have influence over Vladimir Putin's strategy against Ukraine? I don't. That worries me, this thing that is happening. Do I have influence over um, the drought in South Sudan? I personally don't feel I control the weather. And so there are these things in our lives that can be utterly overwhelming that we have influence over, and what we need to do is try and work out the line of where we actually have an influence in in the world. So what I'm going to ask us to do for a couple of minutes is just to chat about some of the things that occur for you, just with twos or threes around you. It's just two questions. What concern is outside your influence? What things going on in the world would you happily say, I have zero influence over? And um, second question, what is within your influence? What are some things that we have direct control over? And just for a couple of minutes, get you to chat about that and then we'll we'll throw it back and we'll get a bit of this going. So a couple of minutes, off you go. All right, let's see what we've got. Let's start with the uh, overwhelming big things. What do we not have any influence over? the price of petrol, <laughs> solid, <laughs> okay, price of petrol, if anyone does hear, uh, please raise your hand, uh, that'd be nice, uh, what else, people's thoughts. thoughts, other people's thoughts, nice, okay, brilliant, what else? They're obviously quite juicy and on the edge of being appropriate for church, so please do just <laughs> shout. Whether, whether the university pays the lecturers. Wow, whether the university pays the lecturers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, lecturer strikes. Okay, uh, again, if anyone has you know a bit of influence there, give us a wave. <laughs> okay, what else? Speed limits. Speed limits. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if Martin just hates the 20 mile an hour thing or. <laughs> 20's plenty, but is nifty. That was the old way. It's not. Uh, now, OK, let's go to the things that we reckon we can control. What, what are some of the other pieces that we think we can control our influence? How much petrol we use. How much petrol we use. There you go very good the weather, the weather. excellent um, so Libby thinks she, climate there we go excellent so we're in a nice blurry line so we can influence the climate by our lifestyles therefore the weather now that's big picture thinking that you're getting here Libby yeah great uh, what else help others brilliant love for others So you can see here, this is the area that we are doing. So our world at the moment, you flick open the BBC News app, most stuff and other apps are available. Most stuff is going to be in these areas, things that are really hard to change. But they're going to slap you in the face and say, um, Mariupol has been shelled to 80% um, decimation. That is not something that I thought I had direct influence over, so I feel helpless. The overall climate change is something I do not have direct influence over, so I feel helpless. And so the temptation, again, is to start blaming. It's to start pushing it out the way. And this process of self-examination is encouraged to come within these areas that we may have influence on. Our faith. This is the question being asked. Because surrounding all these things, I'm adding a third circle because we can't. Is God. is our faith. And we're saying that God has influence over all things. And so when we pray, we're praying that God would break his influence in and that we would be changed and that we would grow our influence out. So, for example, on Wednesday night, we had an amazing time praying and worshiping. And Varry Snowden shared some of the very practical ways that we could respond to the refugee crisis in Ukraine. That it might be that you are called to host someone, And if not, it might be that you're called to support a family who's hosting someone with meals, with friendship. Um, Dave was saying it might be that we take people for an ice cream and restore this idea of beauty in people's lives who've been through so much. So we have incredible influence. And we have the opportunity to examine ourselves, not to be overwhelmed, but to ask God to meet us in the place where He would grow us, where He would allow us to shape more. So that is why self-examination is so key. It affects the way we live and it affects the ministry that we're in. So what does self-examination do in us from this passage? One of the keys to um, doing self-examination is that it is what creates change. Carl Jung, the, the great psychologist, said we cannot change anything until we accept it. That in accepting what is real, that gives us the possibility for creating change. And the process that we go through is we we lose our naivety, we lose our illusions about the world. We sort of then mourn the idealism that we thought we had, but then we get new possibilities. Ending our naivety, our sort of innocence, maybe, about the way the church should be and the way that leaders should be and politicians should be, might be the first part to examining ourselves. There's a bit of a phenomenon in recent years, and and it was being touched on this morning, of, of pastors, of actors, of sports stars, of politicians, in great scandal and great disruption. And this can range from the usual sex, drugs, rock and roll stuff. To what we've seen recently, which, you know, I heard of a pastor in the States who's being investigated for hiring an assassin. That is one way to deal with staff members that you don't get on with. (laughs) To, uh, To the fresh Prince of Bel Air slapping Chris Rock at the Oscars. What a weird world we're living in. And we've had all these figures that we, we looked at. Maybe this was going on in the Corinthian church that they esteemed all these other people. They never looked in themselves. They constantly said, Well, this apostle is anointed and so powerful, and this church is so amazing, and Paul was good a while ago, but he's kind of lost his touch. And they put everything out on the others in the world, and they've never examined themselves. And we do this right now, hey? We see pastors fall, or we see politicians not being the way we think they should be, and we're shocked, and we're saddened. But where else did we think this was going to go? We all thought they were going to be perfect and virtuous, and lead these glorying, shining churches, and perfect examples, and write books that we could extract lessons from to grow our ministries. And It's not going to be like that. Because again, like the Corinthians, where have we ignored Jesus in us and looked for Jesus in some other leader, in some other place? In what way did the Corinthians celebrate their pastors and leaders? Did Paul accidentally set up some of the issues he was wrestling with them? He came in strong, he planted the church. Did they then turn to him too much? without recognizing it was Jesus within Paul and Jesus within them. And so the invitation here is that we stop examining the world through a standard that's never going to be achieved and will always create shock and sadness and disappointment in leaders. We know that leadership really matters. But if we're going to blame, if we're going to just shock, then we're not moving forward. Where's Jesus within all of us? How is Jesus forming his church for the future now? Because there's new possibilities that start to come through. In verses seven to 10 of this passage, there's just a few things um, that occur. And we're gonna look at them, then we're gonna spend a little bit of time just reflecting. In verse seven, it says, you know, what occurs if we are in the faith? When Jesus lives in us, we observe fruit. He says, now we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong, not so that people will see that we stood the test, but that you will do what's right, even though we may seem to have failed. We can't do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. We're glad whenever we're weak, but you're strong, and our prayer is that you may be fully restored. There's an observation here that when people are plugged into Jesus, when they recognize and examine themselves, and Jesus is there then they bear fruit, they see restoration, they see strength even though others fail. And the lovely thing about fruit is, you know, you have plants in your house, you have succulents in the bathroom that are growing well, we all do that, right? Is that when a plant is placed in the right soil with the right amount of light and the right amount of water, growth is inevitable, it just happens that when things are placed in the right conditions, and maybe for some of us tonight, we need to trust that when Jesus is within us, that transformation will occur, that strength will come, even though we may have failed, that restoration is possible. And the focus might actually be, where do I just need to understand that Jesus is working in my life? we often think, how do we drum up the effort to share our faith or to live our faith or to to do this process of deep examination? But I wonder if it's a bit more like Batman. And I I went to see the new Batman movie recently, and um, it was not hard to tell people that I went to see Batman. I was excited. I deeply enjoyed it. It's an easy conversation at work the next day. And where's our faith maybe become overly complicated? Where's our faith actually just a bit more like, hey, I saw Batman the other day. It's great. If I go on my YouTube, there's some Batman clips that will come up now because they know that that's where I'm searching out. Have we made our faith too challenging to share? Do we need to go on a course to learn how to share our faith? It can help. But at the same time, when it's Jesus in our life, it's natural fruit. Can we trust Jesus to start doing the work and to create the confidence in us to tell others? We might be asking, how do I share my story? Hey, it's your story, just tell it and see. Jesus is working. We live in a culture where we might be nervous about sharing faith. But we're now in a culture where beliefs, race, gender has been deemed very highly. And I might mean that in our specific context here. This isn't global. But faith is a part of that now. And so we have a protected faith. We have a right in this country to be a Christian. That is a privilege. And as we've heard earlier, that is not normal. Where do we enjoy that? Where do we recognize that Jesus is working in us? Jesus is within us. We live in truth. We have strength even though we see weakness and we have strength under power. There's no need for harsh displays of power. Real power and love is knowing that the other person sees us, understands our vulnerabilities, but we choose to let people in anyway. We're praying that God would restore a sense of power and authority in our lives we're praying that God would bring his church to use power in a way which can be a blessing to others. We've seen so many abuses of power. But we're asking Jesus in. So we're going to take just a couple of moments in response. I'll invite Lucy and, and a couple of team to help us do that. And we're just going to take three questions to do a little bit of self-examination before we come to the table. Um, And we'll just put those those three questions up, Zach, thanks. So firstly, just for a moment, examine who who are you grateful for? The process of examination isn't all about burrowing into ourselves, it's about thinking of others. Who are you grateful? What have you learned in the last day? What's God shown you about who He is, about who you are? And thirdly, what's an emerging challenge coming up where God could be moving? So we're going to have these three questions on the screen. And just for a couple of minutes, Lucy and the the guys will play. And then we're going to uh, take communion together. So let's just continue to respond to what God's saying to us and do a bit of self-examination.